Amen. We're going to continue in our Live Free series that we've been going through uh, during these uh, Wednesdays in July. And so in talking about our freedom in Christ, what it means, uh, what is the purpose, what do we do with it, amen? How many know that God has, God has given us a calling, hasn't he? Amen. Turn to your town. You have a calling. God has called each and every one of us, and we've been talking about living free. We know that it isn't, it isn't to live free to do whatever we want to do. It isn't to live uh, uh, according to, to what you know, our flesh desires, and I'm, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. That's not what God is telling us, amen, but there's more, there's more that God has in store uh, for us through our freedom in Christ, there's more that God has done for us through this freedom and talking about what it means to live free in Christ. And our series text we find in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. And Paul says these words. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Paul says, you've been called to live in freedom as children of the Most High. Why? Because Jesus has died for your sins, amen? Amen? How many, are, how many are excited, amen, that your sins are forgiven? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. Wiped away by the blood of Christ on Calvary's cross to give us the opportunity to live eternally with God the Father. You see, freedom always comes at a cost. And I entitled this message tonight, The Cost of Freedom. We know that our freedom came with the greatest price. I believe God wanted us to know how much he truly cares for us. I believe God wants us to know our value. You know, usually, usually in life, uh, Things are, uh, things are given a value based upon what someone is willing to pay for it. Isn't that true? Let me give you an example. If I were to, if I were to sell my shoes, right, the shoes, the shoes that I have in my closet, the shoes that I'm wearing, and I put you know, them on the internet, and in the caption, I put, worn by Pastor Dan, how much do you think those shoes would get online? I guarantee you no one's going to buy them, not, not even for a penny. They're like, who in the world is Pastor Dan? Who does he think he is? Uh, uh, you know, is, is, he, is he an athlete? You know, is he a movie star? You know, what, you know, what, who is this person? You know, when I think of, I think of items, you know, that go online that are maybe signed by, by, by someone famous, you know, even, even worn by someone famous. They could be stinky old shoes, but if it was, if it was worn by Michael Jordan, I mean, know that that's going to be some money. You can, you can get, you know, well over $1,000 for something like that, even stinky old sneakers. And so, 
We normally place value on things in life based upon what someone is willing to pay for it. Because I can say, well, you know what? My shoes are worth $1,000. I wore them. They mean a lot to me. I did a lot of things in those shoes. Walked many miles in those things. They're very comfortable. I've been through many battles in those shoes. And the list goes on. And you can say, wait, they're, they're worth so much. I should get at least $300 for them. You could put any number to anything of yours, but it doesn't mean that that's how valuable it is. See, because when you put them in front of your house in a yard sale, then you begin to know what someone, the, the value that someone else places on your items. When they, when they dwindle you down all the way to a quarter. <laughs> You're like, well, you know what? I just don't want to put them away after this, so you know what? Take them, right? I don't want them sitting in my garage. Just take them. So the question that we need to place when it comes to what God has done for us is what kind of value did God place on our lives? What has God shown us through what he has paid for for us? What does that show us in regards to our value to God? See, because I just said, it's, your value is, is based upon what someone is willing to pay for it. How much did Jesus pay for you and I? How much did he pay he paid his life. He gave everything. You know, there's, there's nothing greater than giving one's life, is there? You can, you know, you can, you can give someone, you know, a million dollars. It doesn't compare to giving someone your life. Because that's the ultimate sacrifice. And this is what Jesus has done for us. We know the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. We know death is the ultimate penalty for wrongdoing. And so because we were facing the ultimate penalty, there had to be an ultimate sacrifice. See, Jesus said this in John 8, 34. He says, I tell you the truth, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Paul writes this in Romans 6.23, and he says, the wages of sin is death. So this is what you and I were facing. This is, this is uh, before our relationship with Jesus Christ, this is the path that we were heading on until we got to know the love of Jesus Christ until someone shared with us what Jesus did in their life. Someone went out of their way to let you know, hey, God loves you. God has a plan for you. And you were like, do you know what I've done? And the person said, it doesn't matter what you've done. God forgives. Jesus died on the cross so that you can be forgiven of your sins and that you could have hope in him. 
So the ransom for our freedom has already been paid. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. So now the question is, what does God require of us? Because we know the cost of freedom. It was the life of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. But what is God expecting from you and I? What is it going to cost you and I? We know that salvation is free, right? Salvation is free. It's freely given. The price has been paid. But God expects us to put action in our word, uh, to our words. And when we say, God, I want, to, uh, I want a relationship with you, and then God says, okay, there needs to be action. There needs to be action to a relationship, right? Because you can tell someone, hey, I love you. You know, hey, you know, I'm here with you. But if it's just words, and when, and when the going gets tough, you know, that person isn't, isn't nowhere to be found, then where is the support? Where is the love? So God says, this is a relationship. And I need, to, I need you to know what is expected from you and I. So let's look at a few things tonight of what God expects from you and I. Number one is commitment. See, in other countries, Christians are tested by hardship. But here in America, you and I are tested by freedom. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't think anyone coming here to church was, you know, faced opposition of individuals saying, you know, don't walk in there. You can't go in there. What are you going to do? You better, you better not be having church in there. See, but in other countries, these things happen. They face persecution. They face hardship for following Christ. And so here in America, we face a, we face a different thing, and that's called the freedom. We're tested by freedom. See, not too many individuals are pressured about your religion or your beliefs, and so we begin to relax. We become not so concentrated on Christ. We get comfortable. We don't really dwell on how Jesus wants us to live because of our freedoms. And I believe that the testing of the testing by freedom can actually be tougher than the testing by hardship because we can become complacent. See, Jesus died for you and I, and now he calls us to live for him. I think of when Jesus asked Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he asked Peter this three times, and Peter, we know in the scripture, was, was, was deeply hurt by Jesus continuing to ask him the same question. He says, Peter, do you love me? See, I think what Jesus was telling Peter was, look, Peter, if you love me, then live for me. This is what he was saying. Your life will show 
your love. It'll be a demonstration. It'll be an action. I read a story. It says a missionary society wrote to David Livingston and asked, he says, have you found a good road to where you are? They said, if so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. Livingston wrote back, he says, if you have men who will come only if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. He says, I want men who will come if there is no road at all. You see, and this is, this is the commitment that God is, 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 is asking of us and demanding of us, that we would be committed to him as he has been committed to us. You see, commitment isn't just, it's not simply had in places of comfort, right? God, I'm committed to you right now because everything is going good in my life. See, where is the commitment when you are facing hardships in your lives. I think of what commitment does for a relationship. Husband, wife, when you know that your spouse is committed to you, what does it do for you? It brings security, doesn't it? It brings, it brings assurance. It brings strength. It brings peace into that relationship. When you know that that person is committed to you. And this is what commitment does in our relationship with God. We can have peace in our relationship with God because we know that he is committed to us. God says, I'm there for you at all times. I'm there for you. And we, could, and we could have that, that assurance in our relationship with God that says, God, God, I thank you. I know you're there for me. I know you'll never leave me nor forsake me. In you, I find my peace. Someone said this. They said, tell me what you're committed to, and I'll tell you what your life will, will look like in 20 years. What was he saying? He was saying that you become whatever you're committed to. What is it in your life that you've committed yourselves to? Many people, many people are afraid to commit to anything. So they just drift through life. Others, others may, may half-heartedly commit, which leads to frustrations which leads to mediocrity. Others, others may be fully committed to, to worldly goals, such as becoming wealthy or famous, only to find themselves ending, ending up being disappointed and being bitter. But God says, why don't you fully commit yourself to me? Why don't you commit your life to me? Instead of all these other things that do nothing for you, instead of, instead of being half-hearted in your commitments, God says, be fully committed to your relationship with me. God says, I've committed myself to you, not just by mere words, but by my actions. David writes in Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5, he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. God wants to give us the desires of our hearts. But it's very key for us to know how to receive those in our lives. And by the Bible, it says to delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Are you happy when serving in God's house? Are you, are you happy when you're working with the children? Are you happy when you're working uh, 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 in the media? Are you happy when, when, you're, when you're cleaning up? Are you happy when you're greeting visitors through the doors? Are you happy when you're ushering? You know, I think of, I think of uh, one of the very first faces that I see whenever I come into the parking lot, Brother Oscar. He's always, he's always the first face that I see, and many times, many times the last when we're leaving. But there's something that always remains the same about Brother Oscar is that he's always happy. He's always smiling whenever, whenever you talk to him. You know, he's always, he's always excited. He's always, you know, you know, just, just, you know, just happy. Does it mean that Brother Oscar doesn't go through anything in life? He has no hardships? He doesn't face any trials? No, absolutely not. I'm sure he has rough days. I'm sure there's, there, there's, there's, some, there's some work days that, you know, he's just, he's wiped out. I even asked Sister Yoveta, his wife, and I said, let me ask you a question. And be real with me. Does Oscar ever sleep? <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I think he's like just like, like, like a machine, like just like a, like a robot, like you just, it's amazing. You know, but I think of the, the difference, you know, because, you know, even, even, man, all of us, we have our days and sometimes we show it all over our faces, don't we? We walk through these doors, and before you even say a word, everyone knows how your day went. If you, if you walk through those doors and you see people walking the other way, you know that you have, you know, the face on. You need to do something about it. But I see Brother Oscar, and I know. I know he's got bad days that, he's, that, that he goes through, but you know what? He chooses, he chooses to, to wear, amen, the joy of the Lord. He makes a decision to do that. It isn't, I don't believe it's, it's easier for any, for any certain individual to wear the joy of the Lord. I don't think that so-and-so has it any easier than someone over here? That's not the way it works. You make a choice to do so. The Bible says to delight yourself in the Lord. See, you can, you can, stay, you can choose to stay in the funk of any kind of day that you had, or you can choose to delight yourself in the Lord. The choice is yours. I'm telling you, we all go through this, myself included. Many times, we will wear the things that we go through in life. 
And God says, no, 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 you, you, need to change, you need to change your clothes, amen? Turn to your neighbor in town, you need to change your clothes. <laughs> God wants you to put on the joy that comes from him, amen? We need to delight ourselves in him as we serve in the house of the Lord. Commitment. Commitment, from commitment comes assurance. You see, God stands by his word. Whatever he says to you and I, he will do. I promise you, he will do. I don't know the timing, but I know it's going to be at the right time in your life. Why? Because he's committed to you. So we need to commit our lives to him. Not only is it the cost for us commitment, but it also it's sacrifice. Sacrifice. There is no greater sacrifice than laying down your life for someone. The Bible says it. There's no greater love than for someone to give their life for a friend. There's no greater love. You, you can't give any more. You've given everything. Everything. You know, we, 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 always, we always think of, of those who have given their lives for this country so that we could experience freedom here in this nation. But we must never, ever forget what Jesus has done for you and I. The ultimate sacrifice. Not just for us to have freedom here, but to have it eternally, to have it eternally, to be able to, be able to, to, to find purpose in life, the purpose that God created you for. You can find that in Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, he says, I am not my own. He says, I was bought at a price. See, Jesus Christ demonstrated his love for you and I by sacrificing his own life. The question when it comes to sacrifice is what am I doing for others? What are you doing for someone else? In what ways am I using what God has given to me to encourage and bless others. You need to ask yourself that question. What am I doing in my life to bless someone else? What have I done this week to encourage someone else? What is it? Is it, is it possible that some of us can't think of anything? If so, we need, to God, we need God to help us. We need God to help us to fulfill that purpose that he has given us. The purpose isn't for self. The purpose is to serve. It's to serve. It always has been to serve, and it always will be. So ask yourself that question, what am I doing for someone else? 
See, many times we can think that simply coming to church is a sacrifice. Now, I don't want to belittle, you know, coming to church and being, being, being uh, 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 you know, with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But I don't believe that's really a sacrifice that God is, is calling us to sacrifice. What are you doing in life that is taking away from self to focus on someone else? Why? Because I mentioned that, you know, the freedom that we have here, here in America, we can walk through these doors in freedom and liberty and not be assaulted and not be persecuted. So to walk through, you can just, you can just walk through unscathed. But the sacrifice that God demands of us is to take focus off of self and to meet the needs of someone else. Luke, Luke writes in Acts 20, verse 35, he says, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. He says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, where Jesus says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, I'm not saying that you have to, you know, do all these things every single day. But what is it that you are doing? Where are you serving? And not just in the house of the Lord, but outside these four walls. What are you doing to serve someone else? What are you doing to encourage? Are you praying for people? Have you, have you, have you led anyone to Christ? Because you have the great news you have great news. You're going to heaven. Amen? That's great news. You should be so excited that you have hope in Christ and that your future is in His hands. And that He has gone to prepare a place for you and I where there is no weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who are you sharing that news with? Hey, I got Jesus in my life. I'm going to heaven. Jesus has saved me. He's transformed my life. You won't believe the person that I was before. And God has transformed my life. I got to share with you this news. I got to let you know what God has done in my life. See, the question is, is, do you want to be happy? Now, I know happy is just a feeling or emotion. Joy is where it's at, amen? But do you want to be happy in life? Then give your life away. The Bible says that it is better to give than to receive. This is what Jesus says. And Jesus also speaks in Mark 8, 35, and he says, if you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. He says, only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. 
if you want to know what it's like to really live, then give your life away. Give your life away for someone else. Sacrifice. Maybe the things that you want to do. Maybe the plans that you had. Because, because, someone, because something came up and, 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 and you saw that someone was hurting. You saw that someone, someone, just needs, someone just needs a friend right now. Someone just needs someone to, to, to listen. They just, they just need an ear. They don't, even want, they don't even want advice. They just need an ear. And you had things that you wanted to do, but you say, you know what, I'm going to put this aside. I'm going to put this aside, and I'm going to allow God to use my life to meet this need right now. I believe God places people in our path for that exact reason. Because God knows that you have what they need. You have what they need. You have the answer. You have the truth. You have words that will bring life. And God says, now use it. See, Jesus came to serve and to give. Those two actions will bring more happiness in your life than anything else. And they define what it means to follow Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians 2, 17, in verse 18, he says, Your faith makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in serving God. If I have to offer my own blood with your sacrifice, I will be happy and full of joy with all of you. You, should, you also should be happy and full of joy with me. He says, it's your faith, your faith that makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in our service to God. Paul was saying, so let's, let's give our lives away for the gospel. For the, sake, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the good news, let's give ourselves away. He says, and you will never ever regret it. Because then you will see that you are walking in the perfect will of God. And lastly here, God is calling us to surrender. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, have you surrendered your life to God? See, it means letting go of our way. How many, how many of us have, have our way in our life? <laughs> my hand is up. There's many times that I have my way mindset. And we'll, we'll, we'll travel that road for a very long time doing things our way. And as most of us know, that road usually not usually, but always ends in a dead end. It always, it always ends in disappointment. Man, I, ugh, I should have just listened to God. I should have took heed to his word. 
It's choosing to do things God's way, allowing him to guide our steps and to direct our decisions. Oswald Chambers describes surrendering to God's will this way. And he says, true surrender is not simply surrender of our external life, but surrender of our will. And once that is done, surrender is complete. He says the greatest crisis we ever face is the surrender of our will. Yet God never forces a person's will into surrender. And he never begs. He says he patiently waits until that person willingly yields to him. And once that battle has been fought, it never needs to be fought again. The surrender of our will to God. God, it's your way. God, take, Lord, help me to, to stay away from the mindset of doing things as I see fit. Lord, but help me to surrender my life to you. David writes this in Psalm 40, verse 8. He says, I take joy in doing your will. See, what he's saying is this. David is basically saying, Lord, I want to do what pleases you. And if we think about it, and we ask ourselves, what is it that pleases God? What is it? And if you read his word, you begin to gain knowledge of those things that please God. You begin to understand what he expects from you and I. You begin to, to understand uh, oh, what, what, what is it that we can do that blesses God. And you know what it is? It's obedience. Obedience pleases God. He loves it. He loves when his children are obedient. When we take heed to his voice. Why? Because it keeps us from harm. God says, I love it. It blesses, blesses me when I see you listening. Samuel says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. He says, yeah, you can, you know, you can, you can give all of these things and, and, and uh, 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 you, know, you know, put aside maybe, maybe some of those things you wanted to do, but it's obedience. It's obedience. It's, it's, a, it's a full surrender of our will to the Lord that God desires. And by doing God's will, it proves that we belong to him. I take joy in doing your will, as David says. See, Jesus set the perfect example for you and I of what it looks like to surrender our will. As it says in Luke 22, verse 42, when Jesus prayed, before going to the cross. And he says this to God. He says, not my will, but yours be done. 
as Jesus was praying in agony, praying for hours on end, hour after hour, seeking His Father. And and after all this prayer, the conclusion, Jesus says, He says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. After all these things that I've brought to you right now, Lord, God, you know what's taking place in my life. Lord, God, you know what I have in store for me on that cross. I know what is in store for myself. And if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, then let it pass. But nevertheless, your will be done. I will put aside my wants and my desires in order to do your work. And this is how Jesus is able to ask of us to surrender. Why? Because he always sets the example. He always practices what he preaches. Amen? And when we surrender ourselves to God, then and only then can we experience true freedom. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from living life without purpose. Freedom from spiritual death. Freedom from, being, from, from eternal separation from God the Father. We have freedom from these things. And this is true freedom. True freedom. Because how many know that the freedoms that we experience here as a nation, those can be gone tomorrow. They're slowly going, they're not, I'm going to say slowly, fastly going away now. They're going. And as everyone, as everyone, you know, gets so worried and, 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 and begin to, you know, they, they begin to let fear overtake them, uh, uh, us as the, as the body of Christ needs to know where true freedom comes from. And that's only through Jesus Christ. When everyone else is running like chickens with no heads because they have no hope, because they don't have true peace. You and I as the body of Christ need to step up and say, look, I have the answer. I have the answer. And the answer is only found in Jesus Christ. If our nation would turn to Jesus Christ, we would see healing. If we begin to seek God in prayer, we would experience healing. But as long as you turn your back on the Lord, then you will live without Him. Church, but you and I have the answer. We have it. We have what the world needs. What are we doing with it? God has given us the freedom. He has paid the ultimate price. What are you doing with it? It cost Him everything. 
And God says, now I have called you to be committed. I have called you to sacrifice and I have called you to surrender. See, like love and forgiveness, surrender is a choice, not a feeling. It's choosing to lay down your will and to take on God's will. And this is what God has called each and every one of us to do. The full surrender to God's way. Lord, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Even though I don't like what I'm going through right now, it doesn't feel good. Lord, and I don't know what's up ahead, but all I know is that you're with me. All I know is that, is that this life is not forever, but I'm going to be forever living with you in heaven. And so whatever comes my way right now, Lord God, give me the strength to face it. Give me the strength to face it, Lord. Whatever opposition I may face in my life in serving you, God, I know that you are fighting my battles. I know you're with me. Even, even, even when those days come, when, when we face a, a, a opposition before walking through these church doors, you need to stand strong and say, no, 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 no. We're serving God. We're serving God. No, nothing is going to stop us from giving God the praise. It doesn't matter what you set in place as far as what can and can't be done. No, I'm serving my God. It doesn't matter what you say. The praises are going up. The praises are going up. The cost of freedom. It costs Jesus everything. It cost him everything. His life. And for you and I, it's free to receive. The price has been paid. But we still need to cultivate and develop our relationship with God. We still need to seek after Him. You still need to delight yourself in the Lord. You remember that. You remember that when, when you face hard days. No, I'm going to choose to delight myself in the Lord. Before you walk through these doors, whatever took place before coming to church, you need to choose to delight yourself in the Lord. Amen? And you put on that smile, and you say, enemy, you are not taking away my joy. You are not taking it away. This joy comes from the Lord. And I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear it tonight as I walk through those doors. And God says, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart because you choose to trust in me. And you, and you choose, to, you choose to, to, to believe that, I, that my will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. So that's exactly what you're going to experience. Church, we are free. You and I, we're free. But are we living like it? As every head is bowed, every eye closed.